Chronicles, which is nothing but a list of names to pronounce. I had to pray through that study time as well. Gee, Lord, you think this is the time to go to Revelation or Ezekiel, or maybe I should skip and break tradition and go to the New Testament because, guys, at this rate, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get to any Gospels or anything until 2030 or something. I'm not sure. But I decided to stick with it. And we're going to go through Chronicles. In fact, we're going through the first seven chapters of Chronicles, so that will be the high points. Um, Pastor Chuck, I looked at his uh, teaching, as I always do. I like to check myself, and sometimes I do Damian Kyle or Joe Foch, but this one I did Chuck, and he went through the first 11 chapters in one teaching. I said, so all I'm doing better than him, as I only do seven. Uh, my study time's kind of funny. Um, Throughout the week, I think on it, I read it, and then it kind of comes up here and there. I'll have moments throughout the week where I get a pause or a delay or a gap, and I, God will bring something to my mind about the thing that I read, the chapters that we're going over. And, um, and then finally, on Sunday mornings, I find my secret spot, Hy-Vee parking lot, facing Rogers by the bushes there, the Mugo Pines. And, uh, and I sit there, and I, I kind of look around, and I got to thinking about how they used to take pictures of towns. And there's, there's two ways to do it. Uh, if you want a picture of your town, oftentimes nowadays it's a drone shot of the buildings. But back in the day, in the 1800s, when you'd say, I want to take a picture of the town, it meant the people. And I'm looking around our town, Maryville, and I got to thinking, how do I describe my town? If someone says, hey, what's your town like? Well, we've got a Taco John's. We've got some, and you try to name off all the big chains, you know, because we're big time. We've got a Walmart, you know, and, and you got to thinking that's, that's not how they would describe it. No, that's the Johnsons are over here. And they would go through the names of the people, perhaps. And as we go through Chronicles, keep that in mind. As it is a list of names, that's how God sees the world. The property lines, which is kind of what I do for a living is real estate, change constantly, boundaries, country names, all the things that have to do with the landmarks that we would consider landmarks change. You'll go to Zillow and it'll show you, here are your boundary lines. And if you look on Zillow long enough, you realize that's not accurate. Things have changed since the last time they updated their profiles and database. But the people, those are God's landmarks. When God describes the world, he talks about people. There's Adam. We all know who Adam is. Where's Adam? Adam's at the beginning. That's marker number one, Adam. And he'll systematically go through. So it gave me a new perspective as I'm looking at Chronicles and I'm reading these list of names. These are markers. These are boundary lines. These are, well, my prop here. I tried to go to Orsland's this morning to get a clean new one. But, of course, they don't open until 9, so I couldn't get that done because it was a last-minute prop change. And So then I went to Sutherland's. They don't open until 10. They're the lazy ones in town. and So I got an old, rusty one, which is probably more fitting than a brand-new one. But it's a, it's a chain, and everybody knows what kind of chain this is. It's a log chain, and it's rusty, so I'm trying to be careful that I don't ruin my Bible after grabbing a hold of this. And on two ends are hooks. Now, the reason we use props, I'm just going to tell you this right away, since you never, ever forget this teaching. 
And every one of you farmers knows exactly what this is for. This isn't one of those chains that are bad that you want to avoid like handcuffs or slavery chains or anything like that. This is log chain, we call it. Or this is a chain that's going to pull something out or move something or it's very useful, it's strong. And on one end, you've got Adam. Then you get all the people and you get to Jesus. And that's the point of Chronicles is to teach us from the beginning, the first Adam to the last Adam. And this is the one that hooks on to us. This is the one that hooks on to God. This is the one that hooks on to us and what pulls us out from where we are. So now, farmer, every time you get a log chain out and you try to move something, you're going to go, Chronicles, right? You're going to think Chronicles. Well, that's my prop. It's a good chain. They're all connected. They're all strong. Some probably have different backgrounds than others as we begin to make that transition from chain to people. As we go through these chains of people, eh, that's not such a great one, yet still in the chain. Still connecting us from the beginning of time till the end of time are people. Even God has designed us as families to produce links. We add. God doesn't have a crop or a... a, a field full of people that he grows up and places here and there. It's me and my wife, or you and your wife, or you and your husband. Miraculously making new people, building that chain, connecting. So it's so important to pass on the heritage of Jesus Christ to your kids, teaching your kids in the way that they should go. Makes them strong, makes them useful, puts them in the chain. They may not be the one that has the hook on the end. They may not lead anybody to Christ, but they may have another child of their own with their spouse. And that baby will learn about Jesus. Then that baby will grow up and have another. And the chain gets longer and longer. I was thinking about our songs we were singing. I'm trying to mix my metaphors, but it's hard not to. God's got so many of them in the scriptures trying to get his points across. But we're singing praise songs. I got to thinking... There hasn't probably been a moment in time where somewhere in the world a praise song hasn't been sung from the time of Adam all the way till now. Different parts of the world singing at different times. They wake up in the morning, they sing songs. They wake up in the morning, they sing songs. They wait as, that, as the earth rotates and the sun dawns on their part of the land, another song is begun from some believer someplace or the word of God being shared someplace on this earth, the chain has probably never been broken. I'm assuming there's never been a time. Got close a couple times, didn't it? As we've gone through some of the history, there's only one perpetrator of that crime of trying to stop that chain and that Satan. He's our one enemy. He's tried to stop this other hook from being tagged onto the end. He tried to stop the line of the Messiah so many times and when God goes through Chronicles, and I hope this gives us a healthy respect for these two books, First and Second Chronicles, that God is boasting, saying, the chain has not been broken, nor will it. It's motivating. Now, I'm not going to read them to you this morning. You can relax. But I will hit the high points as we go through this. Ezra, we believe, is the writer of First and Second Chronicles. And when we get to the end of 2 Chronicles, we pick up the book of Ezra that talks about his leading the people, a second wave that is, back to Israel. Remember where we left off last time, not last week, but the week before. The nation of Israel is now in captivity in Babylon. 
They've been displaced from the land for the rebellion against God. God is teaching them a lesson. Chronicles is a pause, a moment where Ezra, the scribe, the writer, the, the guy who has access to all the historical records, writes down in First and Second Chronicles, which is one book in the Hebrew, all the names, keeping track, letting people know by the power of the Holy Spirit, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, this historical document will teach generations of this chain. Because they're in Babylon. They're not in the land anymore. You want to talk about being worried or fearful of having this tradition just fade away or having this, now, is he done? What's happening? No, no, no. Ezra takes it upon himself to enumerate the people as far as the chain goes. It's this guy and then this guy and then this guy and then this guy and beget and had and so on. So important. He knew it. So despite Babylon, despite the lesson that the nation of Israel is going through, God is still building on this chain, and we will get to Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Some people take that verse that Paul wrote to that young pastor Timothy, they say, don't waste your time with chronicles. Mm, not what he means. That's biblical illiteracy. What he's saying is, don't waste your time for those that want to argue about genealogies. Well, I'm of this guy, and I'm of that guy, and I came from this line. That doesn't matter. It's a spiritual chain we're talking about here, not a, not a bloodline. So don't get caught up in that. In the modern day church, as Paul's writing to Timothy, as you set these guys up to be an authority, make sure that they don't teach any other doctrine, which means you have the authority, Timothy, to tell them to stop teaching that garbage or giving heed, or giving room for, or making ways for fables and endless genealogies to get in the way of what needs to be taught, which is the whole counsel of God, including Chronicles. We have something called 23andMe. I don't know if you've ever done that. We've done that. I've done that anyway, to find out, you know, how you know, where'd you come from kind of thing. It's a, it's a genetics test. I, I, I'm probably marked for life, and they're probably tracking me. I know all those conspiracies. I don't care. My privacy is gone. And to be honest, yours is too. You just maybe not realize it yet. Doesn't make any difference. But it led us and showed us, you're from Europe. Yeah, I figured. I kind of knew that, you know. And that's about it. No fun things like, yeah, I'm one person, you know, a little red dot down here in Africa or down in Japan or something like that. No, no, no. You're just straight old Viking is what you are. Big, giant, chiclet teeth, short, stocky, whatever. Okay, so there's no hope of height unless we marry that height. So we've encouraged both, of, well, all of our children, please marry someone tall. All right. That being said, genealogies to God, in God's perspective, in God's timing here, in God's way of explaining it, there's a purpose for it. In this first section, chapter 1, he takes us from Adam um, all the way through to Israel. So it's a, it's a rapid line. 
And there's some hit and misses here, some interesting things. It says here in verse 19, to Eber were born two sons. One's name was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, we would never hear these two guys' names. And all of their lives, it's interesting, are summed up in between two commas, just their name. But these two guys, this uh, division that took on the, some people actually think this is when the continent, continent drift took place, but it also could be Babel, the Tower of Babel, but we don't know. Just interesting things to think about. Something was divided at that time. It was all divided up. It was during this time, and they were named for it. They were born in that time period, and that's what they were known for. Remember the time when the earth was divided up. All these guys and gals all had different things going on in their time. We live in a time where things are going on. You know, We will all be able to say, yeah, we were around during 2020. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a big asterisk in our lives and in our obituaries when we all pass. You know, We were alive during 2020. They were? What was it like? Oh, man. We, <laughs> we had riots. We had diseases. We had murder hornets and weird seeds from China. I mean, we'll go on and on with the stuff we suffered in 2020. Suffered. All these guys have this stuff. All these guys have stories. And yet, in between two commas is only their name. We don't get all that, you know? I'm sure it was passed down orally from person to person, like grandma tells you about her life and you think about it, and you pass on some of the things that happened to you to your great-grandkids, maybe. And it reminds me of the verse that life is like a vapor. Our life is like a vapor, and sometimes that's used wrong, too. It is a vapor. In other words, it's short, given the, the time that we're talking about here. Of course it is. It's 100 years for most of us, tops. It's ballpark. Compared to thousands and thousands of years, it is kind of a vapor, and yet, God describes our prayers and in different ways describes uh, Christ in our lives, a fragrance. And as, as believers in Jesus Christ, although a vapor together, this long chi- chi- chain of vapors turns into a scent, turns into a, a memory, it turns into something more than just you. It's connected to everybody else. It's a believer. It's a remnant, they call it, throughout the world of followers of God. That's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And I like that. I like to be known as at least a part of, a vapor or not, that fresh-baked bread scent in God's nose, you know? I don't think anybody hates that smell. I don't think I've anybody said, oh, oh, that bread, put it away, you know? Everybody loves that smell. You may not be able to eat because you're gluten-free or whatever. Sorry. Sure is great, though. I'll tell you all about it. But you can get, like Jimmy John's, another chain that we have here in our town, free smells, it says on the front of their door. Free smells. It does smell good. God smells our vapor along with everybody else's. It's a sweet-smelling aroma to him. As he hears our songs, that's a beautiful sound in his ears. As he hears his word being proclaimed from our lips, that's a joy to him. We can be a part of that. A lot of bad stuff happened in all of these names, all these people's lives. A lot of good stuff happened too. 
I, I notice here Nimrod and some other guys, you know, bad stuff. But a lot of good stuff was happening too because throughout all that dark that Nimrod brought and all these other dark characters throughout Scripture, there's always a remnant. It just made them stand out brighter, you know. Beautiful. Continue on in chapter 1, 29 through uh, 31 is the family of Ishmael. Then we go to the family of Keturah, to the family of Isaac, the family of Seir, and the kings of Edom. And what I noticed about the kings of Edom is they didn't call them kings, they called them chiefs. I don't know what that means or why they did that. Why were, why were Israel's kings all kings and, and Edom's were chiefs? Well, I don't know, maybe it's just a choice of words or it's just interesting. Not as formal, I would say. Still as powerful and still as important as a king, a chief would be. But it sounds more family, you know. It sounds more family. sounds more local, tribal, if you will, groups. Chapter 2, we begin with the family of Israel. He's going to go through several of the sons of Israel, whose name is Jacob, by the way. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Those are the ones I can pronounce. And from Judah, he begot Boaz. Gets on down to Boaz. He didn't begin him, but through his line is Boaz. Boaz is Ruth's husband. You remember the story? Kind of connects it for us. And Ruth and Boaz had a little boy named Obed. What a great name for a little kid, right? That's my little boy, Obed. You know, I just see him. I, I picture Bo as an Obed. He's a good, you know. He'd be a good Obed. And then Jesse. Jesse had seven kids, and the last one was a little boy named David. From the root of Jesse, right? From the root of Jesse was the prophecy. And David was out in the field and didn't get picked and wasn't even called in for the picking because he's so far down on the food chain as far as, or pecking order, as far as becoming anybody important. He's just number seven. He's just... Destined to take care of dad's flocks. That's all he did. So he did it with joy. And he sang songs. And that was the thing that David was known for. His heart playing and his skill with a sling. God will use those two things in David's life. I mean, he was good at other things too. But those are the two things that show up the most. He was a singer. Man, did he write some psalms, right? And when he becomes king, he actually puts people in charge of singing. That's like a, a position in his, in his kingdom. I just want worshipers constantly worshiping in the house of God. That had never happened before. Well, there wasn't a temple before, but as far as worshiping God in some way, shape, or form, that hadn't happened. And so when that temple was about to be built, and in his kingdom, he started setting up choirs of people and instrument players and all in the beautiful, constant worship. It was a position. And then, of course, we know he's great with the sling as he took down Goliath with the stone, and after Goliath was dead, used the sword. So he was very skilled in those areas and was a warrior of warriors. He's a Renaissance man. I mean, he could play a harp and he could swing a sword, you know, and dodge spears. David, number seven. Then we go to Caleb and the family of Hezron and the family of Jeremathiel or Jeremiah. Jer, 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 see, here we go. Jeremiah. 
the family of Caleb, family of David in chapter 3, family of Solomon, till finally we get to that Zedekiah, which was the last guy we left off with in 2 Kings. He's the final king that led or was taken into captivity into Babylon. We've got Jeconiah, the family there, until we get to chapter 4. The family of Judah. Judah begot Perez and Hezron and Camry and Hur and Shobal, and then go through all of his kids there. Until finally we get to someone named in verse 9, Jabez. So there's little things in there, little little things you would never get if you didn't read Chronicles. And I'm trying not to skip them. Please, on your own, in your own personal study time, which everybody should have as you crack open the Word of God on your own, between you and the Holy Spirit, read through these names and see what God will bring up to you. Because I know that I'm not hitting everything. I, I can't. But you'll run across these things like Jabez. In fact, Jabez was... Nobody probably knew him in the Christian world until until the prayer of Jabez became a hot commodity in the Christian bookstore. Someone wrote a book, you know, and, and then we got keychains and everything. <laughs> we went on from there, right? Well, it's just a scripture. It's just a man. It's someone who stood out as far as God was concerned. As he's going through this chain, he says, hold on, verse 9, let me expound upon this Jabez a little bit. He was more honorable than his brother's. Hmm. There's less honorable and there's more honorable in this chain. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. So that's what his name meant. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Uh, He will cause pain is the literal transition. (laughs) What's your boy's name? He'll cause pain. Okay saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. You think that name stuck with him? His whole life. Oh, you were a tough one. (laughs) I don't know that it was that mean. Or mean at all. It might have been just a joke. The size of your head, Jabez, you know, whatever. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) It caused such an impact upon her life that she decided to (laughs) immortalize it in her son. Yeah, there's a little pain, you know. When I think about the names, maybe not so fun Nicknames, perhaps, that some of us picked up along the way as we grew up. Maybe dad had a particularly hurting name for you, maybe. Or mom. Or maybe no name. Didn't even look your direction. And that causes something to take place in a person's heart. Good, bad, or ugly, or all of the three, pain in our lives often causes us to cry out to God more than we would have if we didn't have pain in our and I, I wish it weren't like that for me. I wish I'd cry out to God more in the good times than I do in the bad times. But to be honest with you, this week I cried out to God a lot more than I did the week before. It's just how it is. And maybe that's okay. I think as a father I understand that. As my 
See my kids get hurt and they cry out dad or they cry out to their mom and they go and they need something from them. They need comfort because they're okay by themselves, but they got hurt and they need some comfort. So they cry out and we come and we comfort them. And so God is for us. He's never looking at you saying, oh, sure. Every time you skin your knee, you're coming up to me looking for Bactine or something, you know, which is evil, by the way. Bactine is pure evil. Don't put that on your kids, those poor kids. He remembered his name. I pray that you'd bless me, God. I pray that you'd enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, and that I would not cause pain. I don't want to cause pain. I want to be known for that. I want to break that. Um, you remember uh, Diana? She used to go to church here. She goes to church up in Clorinda now. Um, and... She, she would stop and say something like that. She would say, gosh, I, w- I wish I, I don't, we'd say, what's your name? You know, or when we first met her or when she would introduce her, it's Diana. Great is the goddess Diana. She was always kind of, oh, she's like Diane or just die or <laughs> just don't say Diana. You know, she'd always say something. She's such a sweet lady. So humble, beautiful person. She definitely did not fit the name and I know her mom didn't think that way, wasn't thinking of great as a goddess Diana. I know that's not how, it, but knowing the Bible and knowing those stories, you kind of don't want to be called, you know, that or Jezebel or, <laughs> hi, my name's Nabal, the fool. You know, you, you, want, a, you want a better name, sake. And she knew that. Sweet, la- sweet lady. Blessed our family. Blessed, still does. Still does. Um. But I can see that in her, this little Jabez thing. I, I just want to be a blessing to you, God. She cries out to God. I, I want you to expand my territory or my tent pegs. I want, I want to reach more people, but not at, not at their expense. See, some people got that keychain as I'm going to be a hustler. I'm going to go out there and get it, man. I'm going to expand my tent pegs. I'm going to conquer more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to get more. And that's not his prayer completely misunderstood his prayer. I would love to, for God to expand my territory, to enlarge it, but I want him to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't just move my tent pegs out. I want to have so many people in my tent that I've got to put the flaps instead of down up is the idea. I want to extend those out so that they're out of the rain. I want to have so many people in my house that I just need to do that. Then a bigger tent would be nice too, you know, but for now I just want to extend my tent pegs. More shade. I pray your hand would be with me. And that you keep me from evil. Takes the time to do that. I don't want evil. Keep me from it. In other words, I know I have a propensity towards it. I know that without your hand in my life, without these prayers, without you, without me asking, I know that's where I'm headed. So God, please keep me from evil. And that's in the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to keep me from evil for one reason, not so that it goes well with me, so that I, I, I don't lose the blessing, so that uh, I don't lose my salvation or my hope in you or, you know, or that I get sick, that I may not cause pain. If there's one reason that's a beautiful reason to not want to sin anymore, it's so that I don't hurt people anymore around me. That's an honorable prayer. God, please just help me not to hurt people anymore with my sin just want to stop sinning. Keep me from evil. So God 
granted him what he requested. Really? You can just ask. This is a man of prayer. And this is where I go into it. And we all ought to be praying and need to be, maybe. I guarantee none of us pray enough probably, but I'm not here to bash us all for our lack of prayer. We do have corporate prayer here. First Sunday of every month from 7 to 8. Encourage you to come down for that or join us for that time. But more than that, God, I hope that's not the only time you pray. I, I think we pray throughout the day a lot more than we let on. There might be little ones, you know, Lord help. Or longer ones at night before you go to sleep. Oh, God, for, you know, whatever, 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 until you fall asleep. I, I can't quiet my mind sometimes. So you pray. But be someone who seeks the Lord, and he is never tired of hearing from you. Never, ever tired of hearing from you. Prayer meetings are not to count heads and to make sure everybody showed up. Never have been, never will be. But it does show the heart of the person. It does show that they know the value of seeking the Father's face, how important that is, and that there is no help from anyone else. Nobody can give them help like he can. And to do it together is a beautiful thing, and God loves that and hears that. And so I do want to encourage you to come to prayer or have your own prayer meetings in your home. I mean, this doesn't have to be Calvary Chapel sanctioned. Go do it. We just provide a place and a time where we plan on being here. But by all means, do it as often as you see fit and want to, and God calls you to. He goes on from Jabez after that beautiful little story about him and begins to talk about the family of Simeon. And it says in verse 39, so they went to the entrance of Gedor as far as the east side of the valley to seek pasture for their flocks. And they found rich, good pasture. And the land was broad, quiet, and peaceful. For some Hamites formerly lived there. I don't know what that has to do anything with it. But the Hamites have moved on down the Ham, Shem, Ham, Japheth, Ham, moved on down to Africa. And they lived here. And they took it over because they were looking for a big, wide open expanse of space that was quiet and peaceful. And I can, man, I can identify with that. Something about that. Something about space, land. Yeah, there's uses for it and there's things you can do with it, but there's something about just sitting in the middle of some untouched land that's just brings you peace. It just does. I think our ears are designed to hear the sounds of nature. They're gentle, they're smooth, they're not harsh like a city sound or like a road or whatever. Something about it, a bird, and it's scattered and it just causes you to be very aware of the Lord, you know. Something God's designed us for. And I can see why they do this. And so they did that. The family of Ruman, chapter 5. He was the firstborn family of Gad and the family of Manasseh. Why would he put those together like that in chapter 5? Well, those are the two and a half tribes that did not want to go into the promised land. They stayed on the east side of the Jordan River. They'd gone through the water of baptism or the symbolic gesture of baptism, going through the Red Sea, delivered from the angel of death, walked through the Red Sea, water baptized, went through the wilderness with the Lord, but came to 
the walk and the work of the Spirit in their lives, the Jordan River, and they didn't cross. There's too much battle over there. There's too much. It's quiet. It's peaceful over here. It's, 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 it's pretty good land. Can we just stay here? And they stayed on that side in rebellion against God. It says in verse 25 at the end of chapter 5, and they were unfaithful to God or to the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up a spirit of Paul, a, a pool king um, of Assyria, that is uh, Tiglath-Pileser, I think, king of Assyria, and he carried the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. He took them to Halah, Hebor, Hara, and the river of Gosan to this day. They didn't go across. They didn't want any more. That was close enough. And boy, do we have people in our lives like that, or maybe you were one of those people. Please change that today. just want to encourage you. Well, I've been through the water baptism. I've been delivered by Jesus. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Man, I encourage you to walk through that Jordan. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let him use you. There's a lot of battle, though. There's a lot of war. There's a lot of things that go on when you jump on that side of the river. There is, but there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be than the other side of Jay. That's where he, he's wanted to take us. I want to be the power in your life. I want to be the guide in your life. I want to be everything to you. I want you to rely on me completely for the victories. All you've got to do is walk around Jericho. You don't even have to swing a sledgehammer or anything to knock down the walls. They'll just fall. You've got to blow a trumpet and worship to me, and I'll knock it down. I want to be shown strong on your behalf. I want the world to see you in tough scrapes and for them to watch me get you out of those tough scrapes. I just want to sit in my chair. Mm. That's an easy way to get pulled back into the world, to be taken captive, to forget what you were saved for, what God wanted to do with you, that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. Whether you like it or not, you're a princess or you're a prince in the kingdom of the Lord, which means there is some duties and responsibilities. They were unfaithful. Don't be unfaithful. It's a choice. They made a choice. Go across that Jordan. Chapter 6. The family of Levi. The beautiful tribe of Levi. The priests. Wonderful. And Levi had sons. Aaron, Mo, from him anyway. Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. And that was Aaron's, Aaron and Moses' sister, Miriam. She's the one that watched the little ark go down the Nile River. And she's like, I wonder what's going to happen to my little brother in the boat. You know? crocodiles, who cares? Can you imagine going through the reeds, watching where this little boy and see him resting there right in front of Pharaoh's daughter? Wow. That's that gang. And so Aaron and Moses come from this tribe of Levi. It says in verse 31, now, these are the men whom David appointed over the service of song in the house of the Lord. It's a little random here, but he throws this in here. After the ark came to rest. And they just describe the ark of God coming to rest and so on. The Not Moses' ark, but a different ark. Interesting transition, though, or thought. 
They were ministering with music before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they served in their office according to their order. There was an order of worship leaders back then. Beautiful. We have a been blessed with a deep bench when it comes to, you know, deep bench. If you're a sports guy or gal, you know what that means. You've got three quarterbacks. One's out there, two on standby in case he throws a, a shoulder out or something. Man, when it comes to worship, we've got a deep bench. We've got a deep bench. We have a deep bench in a lot of areas. Been to a lot of churches, a lot of Calvary chapels around the nation. I actually led a bus tour of Calvary Chapelites in Israel. Not by choice. Kind of threw me in that position. I kind of wanted to sneak in under the radar. It was my first time there, and I just wanted to kind of soak it all in and learn and be like a fly on the wall. But nope, can't do that. Not when you're serving God. Hey, we need an extra bus. You're a pastor, aren't you? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of. Well, you got bus number seven, seven of 11 buses. Really? That's a lot of people. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I babysat in my life as a kid. I've never had a group of kids like that before, and they weren't kids. A group of adults? I'm like, do you even know Jesus? Let me tell you, let me start off with the gospel before we go any further. You need to be born again. Quit complaining about whose backpack's on whose seat. I couldn't believe what I was doing. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> bus pastor uh, Nehemiah here, I think that would be my nickname as I pulled the beards out of many of the people on the bus. I finally said, no more change in seats where you're sitting right now is where you're sitting. And I sat back down. It was silent all the way back to the hotel. The next day I had a partner with me from another bus. (laughs) They had dispatched someone with a little more tenderness than me. He'd be the Ezra of the story who pulled his own beard out when he realized what I had been dealing with. All that to say. (laughs) How did I get on that? Feels good that I got it off my chest, though, whatever it was. Office, serving. I, whether you like it or not, you're going to serve, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know why I made that trend into that story. Anyway, they got them ready to sing songs, and they sang songs, and we have a deep bench. Oh, that's what it was. Comparing my fellowship to all the other churches in the world. Man, really appreciate you guys is what I was getting at. I don't get a babysit, you know? Um, any one of you could have been a bus pastor, honestly. Honestly. I'm just pre- That's where I was going with that is um, we have a very mature bunch here. Appreciate you. Um, make it easy. Verse 33 and so on. Um, and these are the ones who ministered to the, with their sons. And so it was, a, it was a heritage of singing and singing and singing. And I love that. I love that about that. Um, finally, uh, the family of Aaron, they stuck with him. It says, but Aaron... Uh, and his sons offered sacrifices on the altar of burnt offering and on the altar of incense for all the work of the most holy place and to make atonement for Israel according to all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. So there we have the Arianic uh, priesthood there out of Levi. And then he goes on to describe his sons and where all the Levites dwelt. Remember, the Levites never got a piece of ground when they came into the promised land. They got cities, and they were scattered throughout the nation of Israel. So if anybody needed anything from a priest, they, could, they were within shot. You didn't have to drive or walk, drive, walk all the way to Jerusalem. You could just go to the nearest Levitical city, 
and there were the priests. And so they were there for spiritual guidance and, and encouragement and, and so on throughout the entire nation. Finally, chapter 7, we go to the family of Issachar, another son of Jacob, the family of Benjamin, another son of Jacob or Israel. Naphtali, boy, he didn't get much. Family of Manasseh West, that was, remember we talked about uh, Manasseh East, that was the one that didn't come across the Jordan, that tribe or that portion of that tribe actually split. It's Joseph's son, uh, it's a long story, two sons Joseph had and, and that one of them was Manasseh and they split. So there's East and West Manasseh. This is West Manasseh here in chapter 7. They were obedient to God and, and did what they were supposed to do. The family of Ephraim. The family of Asher, and uh, and that's where we are, are done with today. Now, I just have a few cross-references, and then we'll close. We're right on time, right on time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, says this, and, and, and it, this goes back to our chron, chron, the, the, the chronicles here, the, the chain of people starting with Adam and getting to Jesus, Okay. Because um, you notice as you go through these chronicles that they're not comprehensive. I mean, we, we don't know what's going on with other families. We'll follow it for a little bit, and then we stop, and we follow it for a little bit, and we stop. But the Bible is focused. I'm not telling you what's going on all over the world with Ham down in Africa or, or what's going on in Japan and the, and the Far East and all that stuff. I, I'm focused on this, Jesus. And Hebrews 10, 5 through 7 says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me, the writer of Hebrews speaking of Jesus. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come, Jesus, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. The volume of the book, what book? Hebrews, the, this book. The entire Bible. I know that it wasn't canonized at the time that this was written. I understand all that. I know it wasn't put together yet. But as you go through these 66 books, or yeah, 66 books, different 40, 40 different authors spanning thousands of years, there is a common thread, and it is Jesus Christ all the way through it. That's the miraculous thing about this book. That's one of the, it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's amazing. It's not just paper and ink. The volume of the book is written of me. Now, Peter elaborates on that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. By, or, uh, life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And it's a lot there. It's a whole Bible study in and of itself. But let me break it down. The, the volume of the book is written of him. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in the knowledge of him. So when we read this book, we learn of him, and we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then we begin to partake in the promises that he's given us, but also in his divine nature. It changes me. We don't just study the Bible for history, for memorization, although very important for both. I do it so that it fixes me. 
Some of us are computer savvy. Some of us are tech savvy. Some of us aren't. But you know when your computer's not working right. You know when there's a virus. You know when you get the warnings or the flags or the uh, McVie or whoever, whoever tells you that you've got a problem, Norton or otherwise. You've got a virus. What do I do? Contact us or let us do a scan or let us put in a patch or let us do an update or whatever it may be. Guys, that's what this is, if that helps you. I've got a problem. My, my system doesn't run right. My brain doesn't think like it's supposed to. It's definitely not as fast as it used to be. Starting up is slower now. <laughs> Way too many apps running. I don't know if I could put any more into that, but I need to restart. I need a download and an upload at the same time. I need, that's what this is. It's code, if that helps. It's a patch. It's a fix. It's the repair. It's the update. When I read it, I get fixed. I work right. I see right. I think right. Everything's faster. I judge things correctly. I don't have errors or less errors. Let's put it that way. And that's why I read and encourage you to also. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us. Thank you for Chronicles. Thank you that you put these folks in here. Lord, as we maybe read over it this week, these first seven chapters again, and maybe the next six chapters we read for next week, Lord, help us to see anything else that you want to show us, to be open to any kind of teaching you have for us, any kind of correction, or just knowledge, understanding that helps us and clarifies maybe another passage of Scripture that we're going to read later on or have read previously. All these things tie together. It all works together. So we thank you for it. Bless these folks as they go today. In Jesus' name, amen.